They're not your friends. You don't go over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Take the running backs to the stands, run up in the stands and slap their mama. Live in the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. It is showtime, baby. Here we go. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, pitches it, it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's 40, got something. 50, He's got it. 40, He's got it. 20, 10, He's got it. End zone. Touchdown, Titans. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us, a terrible Tuesday edition. Not because we're terrible, you could be terrible. Numbchuck's always terrible. Just kidding, Numbchuck, there he is. T.C. Martin Show streaming live wherever you may be, tcmartinshow.com. Ballpark Frank in the house, making it happen today. Yes, sporting the Bears gear. You know, we all have Bears gear on today. Except mine isn't the Chicago variety. <laughs> What's going on, my friend? Well, we're going to dive into last night's game. We got a lot to do, a lot to talk about. But man, the Chicago Bears—they look competitive for a while. Thought they might pull it off, but no, that wasn't the case. They lose to the Minnesota Vikings last night and fail to cover. Well, the defense looked okay. They, in fact, they looked pretty good at times. And, you know, it's funny because the big controversy is Foles or Trubisky, are they both just garbage, are they no good? The offensive coordinator needs to go. He needs to go now. They shouldn't even have driven him home from the game last night. He's absolute garbage. There's no imagination to the play and calling. That is the problem. I mean, Foles did win a Super Bowl with the team. Trubisky might have some talent. I don't know. But the OC is horrible. Man, that is a way to start for Terrible Tuesday, isn't it? It's that's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. All right, let's talk about the Chicago Bears. That's right, last night the Vikings defeat the Bears 19-13. to Let's talk about that Bears offense. 131 total yards. Second half yards, 14. Yes, 131 the entire game, 14 in the second half. Let's talk about these second half possessions. Four three and outs, one turnover on downs, Here's the yardage that they had on those possessions. Five yards, three yards, minus five yards, five yards, six yards, zero yards. Yeah, total of 14 yards there if you do the math correctly. And the Bears had one first down. Now you're talking about firing the offensive coordinator. Is it really the offensive coordinator that is to blame here? Isn't this an organizational thing? Isn't it an offensive line thing? Because there is no protection for their quarterback, no matter who it is. And seeing what happened to Foles there towards the end of the game, just getting body slammed and sandwiched. I mean, 
I don't know if it's offensive coordinator deal. I think it's it's an organizational thing, but it's a personnel thing as well too, especially in offense. Well, it's absolutely a personnel thing as well. Uh, uh, there's no doubt about that. The Bears wasted a draft pick to get Trubisky. They traded to get a player they were going to get anyhow. And then they already give up on the guy. Now, I'm not sold on him, but if you're going to move up in the draft to get somebody, you should at least give him a shot. They were 3-0, and and they took him out of a game this year. Bring in Foles. Foles isn't any good, and you're right. The offensive line doesn't protect. What happened on the one play that they did protect last night? Foles had time. He had time to throw it high and throw an interception. So, yes, it's an entire organizational offensive thing. But the play calling is ridiculous. When the announcers in a game literally make the comment, the defense knows they have to not only commit a turnover, but they need to score if they're going to have a chance to win. That pretty much sums up everything. If the defense is going, well, yeah, we're causing turnovers, but yeah, we're not putting it in the end zone, so we know the offense isn't going to. Maybe if we're close enough, we can get a field goal out of it. When you're already playing for field goals and you have to get a turnover to get them, it's a mess. But the OC is horrible. The Bears' offense is completely offensive to us fans. <laughs> if it was for Cordell Patterson, they'd probably get shut out last night because, yeah, they got a couple field goals, like I said, via the turnover. If it wasn't for the 103-yard touchdown returned by Patterson, who knows what? Yeah, He, ch- he, he channeled his, his inner Desmond Howard. So. Yeah, just, just, <laughs> just horrendous. Nick Foles' final stats, 15 for 26, 105 yards and one interception. But, you know, I'm going to go to the defense of why the Bears – decided to put Foles in after three games because Trubisky's garbage. I mean, he's shown that before. He doesn't have nearly the experience. And you bring Nick Foles in because he is the better quarterback of the two. He's not showing it now. I mean, they're, they're both horrible. I get that. But Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. That's why he's given the keys to the car and said, okay, you know, you're going to be better than Trubisky. They admitted they've made a mistake with Trubisky. I don't think you need to give this guy more time. But the reason why they went with Foles is because – his past was pretty darn good. Well, and that's what I said. I, I, that's why I said the OC, the yeah. offensive coordinator. Did you see the plays they call? Oh, we got a second and sixteen. We'll throw a little pass over there, but we're not just gonna, we're not going to throw a normal screen pass where you let all the rushers come in. We'll throw a pass out here to the flat where there's already three defenders to stop it. Great design. Really good job. Congratulations. You should get a bonus, and the bonus should be a pink slip. <laughs> there it is. Well, remember we had Spygate, then we had Deflategate. Right now, you know what we got? We got Busgate. That's right. Remember when the Raiders beat the Chiefs 40-32 to last month? Well, after the victory, John Gruden and the Raiders decided to take a victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium after the game. They went around the parking lot there, and I guess to celebrate that they knocked off the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, guess what's happening this weekend? The rematch is in order. And it's going to be here at Allegiant Stadium here in Las Vegas. Well, when Andy Reid was asked about the rematch and asked about the Raiders taking the victory lap, Andy Reid responded with saying, hey, you know, that's not our style. But the Raiders must have given it some thought or else they wouldn't have driven the bus around the stadium. So is this bulletin board material? I think definitely it is. So when John Gruden was asked yesterday, is this bulletin board material, here 
was his response. Not really. I mean, you can find a smart Alec bus driver in Kansas City who made some snide comments when we got on the bus. Maybe that's why we drove around the stadiums to tick him off. You know, this is ridiculous. Next question. <laughs> John Gruden. So, you're a professional football team. You pull off a great upset. You think that you're, you're, you're a pretty darn good football team. Why is this even necessary? You know how we talk about, hey, you know, going back to your boy Walter Payton and Barry Sanders, when they score a touchdown, what did they do? Act like you've been there before. You know, no, no dance, no you know, shenanigans. Just, you know, hey, I'm good. Touchdown. Let's move on. I don't think I've ever heard of a team at the NFL level taking a victory lap after they won on the road. Well, I don't think I ever have either. Maybe it has happened. Maybe we didn't notice it before. Maybe this is the perfect time to do it because there's no fans there, so there's not a lot of traffic, so it's easier to get that done. I know the story I read about it said that it was basically they did the victory lap on their way to the airport, so they went around the stadium right. one more time. Maybe it's because Carr said, hey, for the first time ever at Arrowhead, I heard people saying go Raider chance. Maybe they wanted to make sure that all the fans saw their bus on the way out. I really don't know. Is it a story? We touched on it a little bit yesterday yeah. even as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it is. I think this is more a media type thing. If you're a professional athlete and your motivation is coming because somebody took a victory lap around your stadium, maybe it motivates you to go, oh, we're going to take one around theirs. But that won't happen if the Chiefs are telling the truth because it's not their style. Right. So, to me, it's a moot point. It's a media thing. It's a story in an era when we need to make up some stories because well, most of sports news is usually bad, so let's create a little more controversy So here. here's the deal. It, 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 I don't take it as the media because uh, the media didn't make up the story. This is an organization and a head coaching staff or someone on the bus to decide, hey, let's go do this. Okay, we're having some fun. We're reveling in the victory here. That's pretty cool. But then when you listen to John Gruden's comments about – well, we had a whatever the word he said, you know, a, a smart alecky type, smart alecky uh, bus, bus driver. driver who was given a snide comments. So what happens there now? So people know when you're a visiting team, you get a bus, okay, from that that city's transportation department or whatever, and they're renting the bus and they're taking you to and from the hotel and to and from the airport. So obviously, bus driver not real professional. I guess, according to John Gruden, we don't know if this is true or not, said some snide things about the Raiders. So would Gruden say, hey, bus driver, you're on my uh, clock here right now. Uh, take a victory lap around the stadium. And the bus driver says, oh, okay, sir, I, I guess I'm going to have to do that. So that's not coming from the bus driver. It's coming from Gruden or somebody on the staff, somebody on the bus who's electing to do this. So number one, it definitely happened. So it, it, it is a story. And will it be bulletin board material? It already is with the Chiefs. And it's not like the Chiefs needed anything more. I mean, this this team has lost one game that they lost to the Raiders. Patrick Mahomes is 18-1. and one. That one loss to the Raiders. They're going to be pretty fired up and ready to come here to Las Vegas and take care of business. But this definitely will add fuel to the fire, especially when you got hothead guys like Travis Kelsey – you know, say, come on, guy. You know, we're gonna we're fired up here. We're gonna we're gonna take it out on them. I'm not saying this is gonna be the reason why the Chiefs are gonna come in here and, and roll, but this is all because of what the Raiders did, and it was an amateurish move. It, it, it was in, in a lot of ways in that, but again, if you need bulletin board material, I think you might be in the wrong profession here. If you're looking for a victory lap, how about the fact that, like you said, they lost the game earlier to them. If they do lose the this game to them. 
to the Raiders, then they're only one game ahead of the Raiders. If the Raiders keep on playing well, there's a chance that if it goes to a tiebreaker, all of a sudden, you know, that could be a difference in home field or something like that. So I think they want to win for those reasons. But if the Raiders come out to the Who's Magic bus on Sunday, then we'll know that they are making a definite bulletin board out of it. All right. All right. Well, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning recently won the Stanley Cup. And remember, there was an incident where there were some people drinking out of the cup, and they took a lot of flack for it. So what just happened recently? Well, assistant coach Jeff Halpern had a little party at St. Pete Beach. And what was he doing there? Drinking he out of the cup. He had people drinking out of the <laughs> cup. They filled it with beer and people, people driving by could see the party going on. No disinfecting it. Most of the people weren't wearing masks. A few hundred people there. Sunday in Florida, 10,000 people tested positive for COVID-19. 29 more people passed away on Sunday. Over 18,000 people in Florida have now gotten COVID-19. But the Tampa Bay Lightning assistant coach thought this was a good time to have a maskless party and have whoever wanted to celebrate with them drink out of the Stanley Cup. Seriously? Really? We're still doing this. We're still celebrating a Stanley Cup that happened months ago. Every player and every coach gets the cup for a day. I know. I know. But And, and who started this thing? I want to know who started this thing about drinking out of the cup. I know, I'm know. i sure it goes back probably half a century, right? Oh, there's been all sorts of things done with the cup. Yeah. We, I, I've actually interviewed the keepers of the cup. There's right. two guys uh-huh. that actually yeah. walk around and carry the cup yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, people have given their babies baths in it. They've <laughs> drank out of it. They've taken it to beaches. They've taken it to strip clubs. They've taken it to the finest restaurants. Usually it goes over overseas all the time, too. But, yes, uh, they, they still do drink out of it. But um, the one thing is they normally disinfect it after every person has their day with it because of some of the things that have been done in it. But not between drinks here. Just drink away. Ah, COVID. Ah. All right. All right. We got some bad beats for you right now. Oh, yeah. All right, Frank. This was a game that you and I were watching last Wednesday night as we get to the Maction. That's right. Toledo and Western Michigan. All right. Now, remember this game where... Western Michigan was favored by a point and a half. Toledo is leading by 10 points with two minutes to go. Western Michigan scores a touchdown to cut it to four with 43 seconds to go. They cut it to four, not to three, because what happened? Well, they missed the extra point. So now they don't need a field goal to tie. They need a touchdown to win. So what happens? Western Michigan goes onside kick, and they have a field goal kicker and the punter side by side, like who's going to take it, right? So the field goal kicker kicks it, and who recovers? The punter. Yes, with these giant uh, mitts there, it seemed like, and he just like scooped the ball after it went 10 yards after a Toledo guy missed the ball. So they get the ball back with no timeouts, 43 seconds to go, needing a touchdown to win the game. They get down to the nine-yard line with 20 seconds to go, and this is the part that we saw. They line up like they're going to spike the ball, They're going to clock it, stop the clock, and here we go at the nine-yard line. Fakes a spike. The wide receiver on the left side prances into the end zone. Every Toledo player is staying there doing absolutely nothing, lobs the ball into the end zone, touchdown Western Michigan, victory Western Michigan, 
cover Western Michigan. Final score, 41-38, and a cover. Yeah, I mean, we were watching that game when it was going on. Um, I don't know exactly what Toledo was doing. They were completely lost. There was one guy in the secondary that you could see he was kind of trying to run across because he saw the receiver out there. But, yeah, how are you not ready for this? I'm not convinced that the play wasn't originally to spike the ball. But when the quarterback came up and he saw the wide receiver out there with literally nobody within 10 yards of him. And the wide receiver did put up his hand. Yeah, he put up his hand. He looked over there and went, there's literally nobody. Okay, well, if you're going to give us the touchdown to lose the game, I guess we'll take it. I I think they might have been out of timeouts. Maybe that's why they didn't call one of them. Yeah. But it was just like, yeah, you're watching it going, what the bleep just happened? And, and here's the thing. Like you said, he didn't need to fake the spike. So that's why I think it was a play call because he still faked the spike. And the receiver's going, forget that. I'm open. I'm in the end zone here. Hey, McFly, yeah. over here. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just an, an incredible ending. And then there was actually that play afterwards where Toledo almost you know, scored themselves. And then the, I guess Western Michigan picked it off with the interception. And the guy never took a knee. He just threw the ball up in the air. Technically, that should have been a live ball, but no one's talking about that. The referees exited the field. That could have got scooped up and, and, and ran it for a touchdown, I guess, either way, you know, really. But uh, I guess no one was really paying attention to that. But it is Maction, and it's the, you know, a Tuesday or Wednesday night. Worst play calling. More of college football. Army and Tulane. And you could take this as a bad beat if you like as well, too. Army is trailing this game 24-12 to with 5.18 to go. I don't know if you saw any highlights of this, but this was ridiculous. Army's got the ball 4th and 11 from their own 19 with about 5 minutes to go. And they decide to do a fake punt. Down 12 points, they're going to do a fake punt from their own 19-yard line. Does not go well. Of course they don't make it. Uh, immediately, uh, Tulane comes and gets a touchdown, now makes the score 31-12. to So on the ensuing kickoff, what happens? Tulane kicks off. The return man for Army catches it at the five-yard line on the left side of the field by the left sideline. He decides to go airborne and throw a cross-field pass. I guess like they're going to pull some, cord, uh, uh, some sort of trickery here. The Music City Miracle. Yeah, exactly. He throws the ball right in the Tulane uh, kick coverage guy's arms. He returns it 10 yards for a touchdown. Now Tulane goes goes ahead, whatever that is, at 38-12 to 12 now. But here's the deal. Army never throws the football anyway. They don't throw it on 3rd and 7 or 3rd or and 13. They throw the ball, what, about four times a game, maybe max? Why are you doing this trickery with fake punts from your own 19-yard line with, with five minutes to go? Again, you know, third and, and 11, or fourth and 11, and then you're trying to outsmart them and you're going to do a cross-field pass when your quarterback can't even throw it. You think one of your kick returners can throw it? This was just ludicrous, and this is the academy. We usually see such great discipline. We don't see bonehead plays from Army, Navy, or Air Force. I was blown away by this. Well, you probably should have been blown away. The only thing I can assume is, Maybe the player made a rogue move and he wasn't supposed to. Maybe they figured because we never do throw the ball, we're going to trick them. They're never going to expect this, and they're really not going to expect it if we throw it right to one of their (laughs) players. So, But unfortunately for them, it didn't work. But you said that they thought that maybe they were going to outsmart him. They all go to West Point. Of course they figured they were going to outsmart him, but sometimes you end up outsmarting yourself and looking like the dummy. Oh, by the way, those two touchdowns in the final five minutes, that gave Tulane the cover. And the overcashed in.
Well, you know, we have Mark Ratner on today. Yes. Mark, a great guy. I've known him for years. So I figured I would try to find something MMA-related, and I thought you might enjoy this one. Now, I don't know if you know UFC fighter Yancey Madero. He's on a bit of a losing streak in the UFC, but he's a young fighter. But like all UFC fighters, and you know from the boxing world and everything else, USADA comes in and they can test you at any time. So the last time that Yancey was getting tested, he heard a knock on the door. He didn't answer it immediately. He said, who's there? He said, USADA, we're here to do your drug test. He said, yeah, I'm a little busy right now. I'll get to you in a little bit. He said he was in the middle of having sex. I, I was waiting for a Wizenator story to come back again. And he wasn't about to stop that, so he said... I know the guy was standing there at the door, and he heard me getting my business on, but I made him wait. So he finished off doing what he was going to do. Then he answered the door, and then he took the drug test and apparently passed it and everything. But he said, hey, you know, it's getting my groove on. And so that's what it was. They came at apparently 8 p.m. at night because they can come at any time of the day or night. And he said, yeah, I, I heard him knocking, but you know what? <laughs> I was knocking boots as well, so they had to wait. I'm trying to figure out what's the terrible part of this. USADA. I mean, could, could you, <laughs> would you like to be the guy out there standing at the door? No, I wouldn't mind being the other guy, though. Well, no, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's like USADA. It's like I, I know that they want to do these surprise tests so people can't prepare for them and try to cheat them or whatever. But it's like, do we know if the guy actually got up, answered the door, and then went back to business and said, Catch me in 10 or 15. He basically said he, he shouted at the door. He's busy right now, and you can wait. And he said, I made him wait. Made him wait till I was done. Where's the TMZ footage of that? We were talking about that I, yesterday. I, do, I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. It might be Pornhub footage on that Whoa. one. <laughs> All right. The Browns are playing the Chargers, as we know, on Sunday, right? All right. So Cleveland's leading 10 to 7 with about a minute 10 to go. It's third and three from their own 40. And... Nick Chubb is going to get the ball, and he does this. Coming on, Joe Judge. Here is Chubb going outside, but won't go out of bounds, and he does it, and he may go all the way, and he does. No flags are down, and Chubb, he ran out of bounds. Goes out of bounds at the one-yard line. Could have been 17 to seven. I don't think it makes much of a difference. No, but you know what he did right there? He said, look, I'm not even taking a chance. I'm not even giving you you an extra chance. We're just going to take a knee, and the game's over. 59-yard run. Not only did he not go out of bounds, well, he did eventually. Who who knew it was at the one-yard line? Okay, so here's the deal. You're up 10 to seven, all right? And... I believe the spread was three, three and a half here. So we'll throw that into the factor as well, too. Speaking of a bad beat. But you have a breakaway. Go in the end zone. It's 17 to 7 would be the score. Less than a minute to go. That is a two-score game. I don't want to hear this nonsense about, oh, yeah, you don't want to give the team ball. They'd have to score twice. And as we know with onside kicks in the NFL, it's less than 2%. You're not getting it. And here's the other thing. He's got a breakaway for the touchdown. Okay, pad your stats, get another touchdown. Might need that, come for agency or contract talks, you never know. But why wouldn't you just fall down in bounds and keep the clock running? Why would you step out of bounds where the clock stops and does not restart because you're in the final five minutes there? Under a minute to go. So now Baker Mayfield's got to come out there and he's got to go Neil Diamond twice. The clock would have ran out. It just It doesn't make any sense. And again, take the touchdown. 
We're talking about people overthinking and trying to be too cute. This is a perfect example. We would have never saw this years ago, but now it's the thing to do. And we've seen Gurley almost hurt himself trying to stop, you know, uh, last year and then again this year. Get in the end zone. Be up by 10. Oh, yeah. By the way, cover for those betters that had the brownies. Yeah, and you're right. The, the thing that makes it that does make it questionable is because he went out of bounds. If, if you want to not score the touchdown, I agree with you. Hopefully his agent doesn't come back and go, well, yeah, we know we had this incentive clause for so many TDs and we fell one short, but remember that one that we could have had? Yeah. Well, too bad you didn't get it. But, yeah, <laughs> if you're going to do that, stop at the one, do a sobriety test, walk up and down, do some jumping jacks, do whatever you want, and then give yourself up and go down. So, like you said, the clock keeps on running. If you thought it was a smart play, the thing that makes it not a smart play is the fact that you went out of bounds. It defeats whatever some people are trying to give you credit for trying to do. All right. Let me leave you with this one, all right? We had Sunday college football. All right? Cal against UCLA. Why? That's what I want to know. Well, here we go. Cal had a game against Arizona State. Canceled. UCLA had their game against Utah. Canceled. Remember, we're the Cosmopolitan, and this story broke like right before we went on the air. That was Friday. Okay, these guys, games got canceled for Saturday, and then all of a sudden they said, hey, you know, what are we going to do here? Let's play a game. Let's call someone up. Okay, I'm UCLA. Let's call Cal up. You got your, hey, we heard that you got your game canceled. Our game's canceled. Let's play. No one's playing. Okay, come on over to our house. Why don't you do that? Rose Bowl's open. Okay, fine. Okay, Cal says, I guess we'll play. What time you want to play? Well, let's play on Sunday. Sunday? Why? Well, field's open Sunday morning. It's like we have a sandlot or something. Okay, what time? 9 a.m. Well, it's kind of early, but uh, we get to play football, so okay, let's play. Final score? UCLA 34, Cal 10. Cal was not ready to play a football game. And here's the weird part. This wasn't a reschedule game. This wasn't a makeup game. These teams were not even supposed to play each other. They weren't even on the schedule to play each other this year at all. So they decide, hey, let's play a game. How in the world does this benefit Cal, who's got to get on a plane, they got to travel, come to L.A., and play at 9 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday with no fans? Well, if it was any other year, I'd say it benefits them because they get the revenue in that. But, oh, wait, there's really not any. Thank you. So, yeah, I don't know how it exactly benefits them, except for that they are going to get more games in now. They'll do that. And they can't go out of conference because we know that conferences aren't letting teams play from someplace else. We saw that with Nebraska trying to do it in the Big Ten. Uh, There was reports that maybe Wisconsin was trying. Nope. If you're not in conference, you're out. So since they weren't going to play, I guess they just wanted to play a game and let their football players play. But as far as a benefit, outside of just getting on the field and playing, and by playing the morning game, they could still check out the afternoon NFL action or something it's maybe. Not a benefit. I don't know. It's not a benefit to Cal because they have to travel. You're not prepared for UCLA because you're not even playing them this year. So how are you going to study for that? And it, it, They had 176 yards of offense, Cal did. Not ready to play this game at all. And say if there were playoff implications, or at least there was a conference championship in the Pac-12, Cal just killed themselves because they played a game they didn't have to play, and there was no game because they probably weren't going to win the game anyway. So UCLA picked up basically a free victory. Well, a free victory and a good-looking victory yeah, because they won by a very good margin. So UCLA is definitely the big benefactor. 
Maybe the Cal Bears thought they'd help out the Bruins yeah. because they're a type of bear as well. There you go. They're in the family. <laughs> there you go. Bear talk. All right. If you have any uh, terrible Tuesdays, you can hit us on Twitter as well at TCMartin21 at VGK. Frank. All right, the quarterback, Steve Berline from CBS Sports, he is going to join us coming up next. A little bit later on in the program in hour number two, we'll stick with the CBS family side. We'll go to the college side and the old football coach, Houston Nutt, he'll join us. And like Frank mentioned, we'll talk a little UFC and then revisit what transpired Saturday night at the MGM Grand with the former executive director of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, Mark Ratner. So we got a lot to do, a lot on the table right here on a terrible Tuesday, T.C. Martin Show. The T.C. Martin Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a half time. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. T.C. Martin. Yes! In the face! The doctor is now in. 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 All right, we hear that song. We know what that means. That means we are either in South Bend, Indiana, celebrating a Notre Dame victory, or Steve Berline is joining the program. And since we're not in South Bend, we're in Las Vegas. That must mean that the quarterback is joining us now. What is going on, number seven, number three, number 10, number 13? Any other numbers that I missed along the way? <laughs> well, that's a few too many. I, it was always number seven. That's, always. I'm just giving you a except, bad time. W- except when I was in Denver. Yep. They wouldn't give me number seven for some reason. I don't know why, but they wouldn't give it to me in Denver. Oh, uh, so I had to win number 11. So that was it. So did you go 7-11 just because you were a Vegas type of a guy or you just enjoy Slurpees? I mean, why'd you go 11? It, it, I think I think it was – I mean, I, I – I think the plan had to be it was more of a Vegas thing. I was like, if I can have seven, I got to go eleven. You know, seven come eleven, let's go, baby. <laughs> and uh, you know, I thought I was a, I was not a big, I never have been a big craps player, but uh, it just seemed like a natural move for me. So I didn't put a whole lot of thought into it. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed that you went with seven eleven because you always found the open receiver. Oh, oh well. <laughs> You know what? That, 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 you can go with that one, too. You can always go with that one, too. <laughs> Steve Berline, CBS Sports, uh, joins us now. We talk a little uh, college football, a little NFL. Let's talk about the Irish. You came on the program last week, and I raised a question. Hey, Steve, could the Irish maybe have a little bit of a letdown after that huge victory against Clemson? You go no way in the world. Even though we knew BC's quarterback, the former Notre Dame Fighting Irish, you know, backup, you know, had a lot in his mind. But for the most part, this was no contest. You were right, my friend. No problem for the Irish. Well, I would have been disappointed if they wouldn't have been ready to play that game. You know, with uh, the veterans on that team that have got a a good, a good amount of senior players that are that are uh, you know in in positions of leadership and that are. Um, you know, they're impact players, and so they, they realize how, how hard it is to get to that position where you really have an opportunity to do something that you dream about and that you talk about and you train for your whole life. And so uh, combined with the message I'm sure they were getting from Brian Kelly, uh, I don't think there was any way that the, the veterans and the, the older players on that team were going to allow that, that to happen. They weren't going to let them get trapped. They weren't going to let them get caught napping. Um, they realized that they, they cannot – 
uh, screw this opportunity up, and I was impressed. Yeah, and it seems like you know Notre Dame, they've passed every test. Again, the big victory against Clemson. They survive a letdown situation against a pretty good Boston College team, and it really does look like the Irish are going to run the table the rest of the way and probably you know have that rematch against Clemson for the ACC championship game. When you, when you look ahead, Steve, you, you look at you know Clemson on a neutral field and then maybe the potential of playing Alabama. That's always been the knock with Notre Dame. We talked about it before, about not being able to knock off these teams. We see they can handle Clemson. How do you think they fare against Alabama? Well, first off, I think we know it to uh, Mac Brown in, in North Carolina and what he's done there. Uh, to to not take them too lightly. That's that's going to be a big game in Chapel Hill uh, coming up in a few weeks. And uh, you know, Mac Brown. I did the Clemson game last year. They should have beat Clemson in North Carolina last year. They I, I was doing that game on radio, and uh, the only reason they didn't win that game was because they just didn't know how to win it. They had every opportunity to do it. They they played harder. They played better. Uh, and I was really impressed. So they're going to get. North Carolina's best uh, effort in a couple weeks for sure, and that'll be that'll be the game that you know you really got to make sure that you don't screw it up there. Um, and then ten, again, you know, Clemson, they were without Trevor Lawrence, and they were without uh, uh, three starters on defense, and so and and, and Clemson is going to be highly motivated because of what happened uh, a couple weeks ago, and um, you know, understanding what it means for them, they're going to. They're going to come out ready to play in that ACC championship game. So I don't think you weren't saying this at all, but that's going to be a huge battle um, and one that's going to provide every challenge that they could ever possibly hope for. And then you know, then you look to the playoffs if they're able to get through that. And then it's Alabama, yeah. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to uh, really, you know, give a, an opinion on that game. Although I do know this: Notre Dame looked every bit as strong, if not stronger, than Clemson. They look every bit as fast, if not faster than Clemson. So, to me, that says that they can, you know, they can hang with anybody. If they're as strong and as fast as Clemson, they can hang with anybody. So, I think we'll match up better than I can ever say before. In the previous years, I felt like there was no way Notre Dame could match up with with those top four teams. But uh, this year, what I've seen, I think we can do it. Yeah, especially the offensive line. This seems to be just the strongest line that the Irish have had in quite some time. And again, predominantly a senior laden offensive line as well, too. And book is playing well. Yeah. All five starters are turning up front. They're all playing well. And that's saying a lot, by the way, because they've, they've been known obviously for uh, offensive linemen and tight ends for the most part. And uh, uh, all five of their starters are back from last year. They're hungry. They're nasty uh, in a good way, you know, nasty from the standpoint of uh, they, they know how to get after people and, and, uh, and finish plays off. And uh, they like keeping their quarterback clean. Um, they, they like controlling that line of scrimmage. They take a lot of pride in it. So that's, that's a huge deal. And, and the big thing, as you mentioned, uh, is I think the development of Ian Book. If there's ever been a knock on Kelly uh, and the Irish program, it's been that they have not been able to develop any quarterbacks uh, during his tenure there at all. And earlier in the year, uh, you know, Ian Book was not playing at a consistently high level. Um, you know, he played very average a couple of the early games. But the way that he played against Clemson and the way that he uh, played this past week against Boston College, uh, I think his confidence is high. I think he's understanding, you know, what he's capable of. And 
that he needs to play at that level for this team to to win those big games. So uh, I'm really impressed with what Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, is doing as well. They're starting to really, uh, it appears they're starting to really get on the same page. So uh, that's exciting to see for the first time in a while. All right, Steve Berline, the former Notre Dame Fighting Irish quarterback, a longtime NFL quarterback veteran, and uh, does a fantastic job on the CBS Sports Network as well, NFL side and the college side. Steve, let's transition to the NFL. Let's talk about one of your former team, the Raiders. Uh, they got a huge game coming up Sunday night. The Raiders have now won three in a row. It is a revenge game for the Chiefs. And I'm sure you've probably heard about the, the story, as I like to call it today, is Busgate. Uh, the Raiders taking a victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium. Obviously, you've been in those buses. Uh, you've been in situations like this before. This This seems like kind of an unprofessional move of a team going into a stadium and saying, hey, let's take a victory lap on our way to the airport. Have you been part of anything like that or any stories that you can share with us outside of maybe a, a Pop Warner football game after you guys are so excited and you're going to go have some ice cream? Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I can't uh, openly share anything like that ever happening. Uh, but, <laughs> and, I, and I really, truly, uh, I have never heard of anything like that um it's amazing I, I guess they got the information from the bus driver i guess he's the come the guy that came out and said that is that correct yes yeah okay yeah so that's validated uh unless he's really just trying to stir it up and the Raiders probably haven't been talking about it at all but um you know it was a big win obviously and um you know you, you have to uh you, you, i'm surprised that gruden would allow that to happen if it did happen uh, instead of just, you know, trying to come across with the attitude of, hey, man, this is, what we're, this is what we've been working for. This is what we shouldn't be surprised. We should be, you know, we should be expecting to win these games against the big teams, and uh, let's, let's build on it and let's get better. Let's do it again next time. Um, so I'm a little bit surprised that that, that did happen. Um, and it'll be just a little something that will it'll just pour a little extra, uh, you know, fire starter on that fire, a little uh, extra, you know, gas on the fire and, and not that the Chiefs are going to need anything like that. It's a revenge game, as you said. Uh, they don't like losing at all. They, they hate losing at home. They're not used to it. Uh, they know the Raiders are trying to uh, build themselves as up-and-comers, and I'm sure they want to show them who the big bad boy on the block is, and uh, they're going to not need any extra motivation. So to me, that was not a very smart move uh, because you don't want to give them any extra motivation. So. We'll see how it plays out. I, you know, the Raiders are going to play too. Uh, I just would hate to, um, you know, catch the Chiefs at this time or in a revenge type of a scenario, healthy and uh, and with a lot to with a lot to uh, motivate them. Um, when, when you're talking about the Raiders right now, and certainly some people think that maybe they're a little bit ahead of schedule as far as how good they're playing at this point. Where do you assess this team at right now? And once you do start to win, you start believing in yourself that much more. How much does that help a team from the mental standpoint? Going out, not instead of thinking that we have a chance to win, but expecting to win every week. Yeah, that, that's that's a huge deal, and I think that's the biggest deal in the NFL because every team has talented players. Now, obviously, there's only a certain number of superstar players and, and, and guys that are at that next level, the Patrick Mahomes level, and. That you can think about every position who the top two or three guys are, but the, the bottom line is that when you catch a team that is as good and uh, and young uh, and hungry 
and uh, and they start believing that they can play with anybody, uh, and that they shouldn't take a second a backseat to anybody. That's where you start seeing that separation and that that next step of of uh, evolution. And I think the Raiders are at that point now. I I've told you guys before. I I expected them to get to at least. 500 this year. I thought they were going to be a 500 team, maybe, maybe nine and seven, and you know if they if they got hot like they are right now, potentially maybe a 10 win team. But I really was expecting eight or nine wins out of out of the Raiders and just knocking on that playoff door. But they've got a great opportunity right now, and uh, even if they lose this game to the Chiefs, you know there's a, there's going to be a good opportunity for them to get the 10 wins, and that should get them in. You would think. And, uh, it's too early to tell right now for sure, but that, that would be a phenomenal achievement, a phenomenal accomplishment. It would definitely put them ahead of schedule, I think, from most people's perspective. But uh, I wouldn't be overly surprised because I like what they've been doing. I like what John Gruden's been doing in Mayock, and I thought the Khalil Mack trade we've talked about, I thought it was the best trade in the NFL since the Herschel Walker trade. Uh, I, I think it was absolutely brilliant. And, uh, and it allowed them to get to this point that they're at much quicker, much more quickly than they would have if they would have kept Khalil Mack. So uh, I think they're doing all the right things, and, and they got a chance to, to really um, you know, shake it up this year, and I'm excited for them. Which team would you be more concerned about right now, the Baltimore Ravens or the Seattle Seahawks? Oh, okay, concerned about from the standpoint of what's going on with them. Yeah, uh, uh, I would, I would say... I'm more concerned about the Baltimore Ravens um, because, the, you know, the, even though they have Lamar Jackson, who is a special, special quarterback, uh, he's not Russell Wilson in terms of the different things that he can do to hurt you. Um, and the body of work with Russell Wilson is, is much more significant. Um, you know, I, I like the Ravens' defense. I like their running game. But it just seems like right now uh, the Ravens are having a hard time figuring out how to attack offensively, um, how to find ways to allow – Lamar Jackson to do the things he does best and get that running game going. And uh, it's just a little bit concerning to me. I've got a lot of confidence in Greg Roman. I know him very well, the offensive coordinator. Uh, I think they will get it turned around and get hot before the season ends and before the playoffs start. Uh, but I, I also believe that, that Russell Wilson, you know, he, he's had his wake-up call now. He's had three bad games in the last four weeks, and he is going to be – you could tell by what he was saying in that press conference after the game that he is eager to get out there and show how great he is and, uh, you know, set the record straight. So uh, I think I think both teams will get it figured out, but I think I'm, I'm less concerned about Seattle. I want to throw one more team in there, and it's not because of inconsistent or poor play from the quarterback. It's because of the injury. The New Orleans Saints right now, with the injury to Drew Brees, we hear that he's got um, some fractured ribs, the collapsed lung. How much does he mean to that team, and how soon can he realistically come back from those injuries that would have most of us laying in a hospital bed or something? Yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, You know, that you could, as you watch that hit, um, you can start to see how that could happen, uh, just the way that he was slammed into the ground and the fact that uh, that defensive lineman had his fist kind of buried in that rib cage and all that compression coming down on those ribs. It's a, you know, uh, it, it was a very, very, uh, a, you know, obviously dangerous and uh, difficult hit, to, hit to, for him to take and the damage is, speaks for itself. But um, I, I truly think that 
that Sean Payton will allow Drew Brees to get healthy, as healthy as possible. Um, and that'll be a good, you know, four weeks, I think, at least, maybe even uh, five. And obviously it'll depend on how Jameis Winston does. Uh, I really expect Sean Payton to, to do a great job with Jameis Winston getting prepared. Uh, and I think Jameis, he's got all the skills in the world to be a really good NFL quarterback. And I think with the way that Sean Payton's going to coach him up uh, and is going to make him understand we've got a great football team, the only thing you cannot do is turn the football over. And if you want to find your butt on the bench, throw a few interceptions, and we'll work with Taysom Hill. And I think, I think, I really believe that Jameis Winston is going to get that message, and he's going to have kind of a Teddy Bridgewater type of an experience where he's going to get a chance to resuscitate his career. I, I said that after uh, he got released by Tampa Bay last year. I said, this kid's going to get a chance to play again, and he's good enough to play at this level, obviously. Uh, it's just got to, it's just got to, you know, start making sense in terms of how important it is to protect the football. Um, and I think he's going to get that opportunity. He could not have picked a better spot to end up. Uh, I was really impressed with his decision to go to New Orleans because uh, this is exactly what he was hoping for, this opportunity. All right, Steve Berline talking with us, and we're talking about the quarterback position, Steve. I'm going to throw this one at you, all right? Which quarterback do you think is best when his team is losing? And the reason why I ask you this is because I think that's how you really judge a quality quarterback or who's the best quarterback in the NFL. And obviously it's not Lamar Jackson because we see how hard it is for him and his team to play from behind, but who would be that guy for you? And it could be more than one guy, but uh, put you on the spot here. Which quarterback is best when his team is losing? Well, I think, uh, well, first off, I wouldn't put this guy as the best, but we've seen over the years in Super Bowls what Tom Brady can do from behind. Uh, so that that's a guy that you always you can't disregard him. But I think in this this day and age, uh, the guys that can play that kind of helter skelter, run around and make things happen, are the most dangerous in those kind of situations. So uh, even though he doesn't have a whole big body of work, I'd put Kyler Murray at the top of that right now, uh, along with Russell Wilson. Um, that. When your team is down, who can make it? Who can make it up quickest? And uh, I think those are the two guys that jump out immediately to me. Um, and and then of course you, know, you got to have you got to put a guy like Aaron Rodgers in there, uh, Matthew Stafford because of, of the uh, the ability they have to just make all of the throws and to use the the whole field when when they get in a situation where they don't care and they're just going to throw and just try to make throws. Uh, those guys are really dangerous. And, and, of course, even a guy like a young guy like Josh Allen, what he showed to me the other day was incredible development. Yeah, he made some bad throws. He made some bad decisions. But, man, he made some great plays. And, and that kid, I absolutely love that kid. And, and I think he's going to be a great quarterback for a lot of years to come as well. You mentioned great quarterbacks for a lot of years to come, and everybody knows about Mahomes, who's still a young quarterback out there. Who are some of the other young quarterbacks that you think? Oh, by the that... way, let, let, let me put Patrick Mahomes in there too. I yeah, forgot. I was going to say yeah, I... <laughs> that was under that was understood. I think. So, yeah, yeah right. but I apologize. Yeah. No, no, no. It, it definitely was. But what I was going to say is there any, is there anybody else? Because there's a lot of talk about Herbert and Josh Allen and them. Is there anybody that you think that you look at and you go, "Wow, this guy's really going to be something when he gets the game even a little bit more." 
you know, I think you, you mentioned all the guys right now. I mean, Tua is just getting started, and uh, he, he's looking, he's making it look pretty easy. Even though they're not asking him to do a lot, he looks so composed and so, uh, you know, so well prepared. Uh, I really am surprised. I, I thought it was a mistake to put him in uh, because of the health reasons. I thought they should have just let him sit for this year to eliminate all those concerns, but uh, they're making me look like I don't know what I'm talking about. So I've been very impressed. Justin Herbert, same thing. They, he, you know, he's been knocking on the door every single week. They haven't quite found a way to, to get over the hump yet. Not his fault. Uh, they've had a lot of bad luck, a lot of balls dropped, uh, a lot of bad penalty calls, a lot of just things working against them right now. But I really believe that Anthony Lynn and the Chargers have a great thing in this kid, and um, you know, hopefully they'll have a chance to see it through uh, despite all the pain they're going through right now with these tough losses. But the quarterback, the state of affairs for the quarterback position, it looks like it's in really good hands and really good shape for many years to come with all these young guys playing so well. All right, speaking of the quarterbacks, you can catch Steve Berline along with his cohorts over at CBS, Phil Sims and Rich Gannon on the CBS Sports Network, the NFL Monday quarterback. Give that a quick plug, Steve. Well, we, we fired Phil Sims a few years back. It's Trent Green. It is, I was going to say Trent. <laughs> I was going to say Trent Green as, as well, too. Yeah. That's right. You guys kicked that guy to the curb. So there you go. My my fault. No, it, it, you know, Phil, Phil actually, you know, he, he big time us. He got too yeah. big for us. He did. So he, did. Uh, he didn't have time for the little guys like us. But uh, we get, you know, Boomer Esiason comes on uh, every few weeks. And, uh, and uh, yes, this past week we had Danny Cannell come on and join us because Trent Green couldn't make it. Uh, he had a travel issue. Uh, but, yeah, it's a great show every Monday, and they show it uh, twice on Monday. Uh, the first one at 6.30 Eastern, uh, and then uh, again later that night and three times on Tuesday, it's Adam Shine hosts it, so you know we have a lot of fun with it. And, uh, you know, we really get into the quarterback perspective on, on uh, everything as much as we possibly can, and uh, it's the only show that really focuses on um, everything from the quarterback perspective. Of course, if there's other issues, we get into those as well. But it really, the intention is to get into the quarterback position as much as we possibly can. And we all bring a, a lot of years of experience and insight into it. So it's, it's, a, it's a great show. We've been doing it for about eight years, and it's, right. uh, it's worth a watch. All right, CBS Sports Network on Monday. All right, my friend. Hey, appreciate the time as always. We'll let you get back to it. Uh, if I don't talk to you next week, have a happy Thanksgiving, you and the family. And we'll catch up very, very soon. All right, same to you guys. Take care. All right, there he is. Steve Berline, the former Irish quarterback and, of course, uh, Super Bowl champion quarterback as well uh, back in the day. Does a great job with CBS. All right, next hour, we'll keep it in the CBS family on the college side, and we will talk with Houston Nutt, the football coach. Look forward to that. Mark Ratner will join us on the other side of the hour as well. Ballpark Frank, T.C. Martin right here on a terrible Tuesday edition of the T.C. Martin Show.